Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study time together. Uh, we are live here in the Family Life Center. Uh, a lot of things we do, we, we record ahead of time, and there are reasons for that. But other times, like tonight, we're actually able to uh, join you live. And um, I'm just delighted that you're here, and you're going to be a part of, of our time together. Uh, you know, just about every day, uh, someone will text me, uh, send me an email, some will call, some come by the church to drop off uh, something, maybe they're tired or something of that nature, and they're asking me all the time, when do you think we'll be able to come back together on campus? And to be perfectly honest with you, I absolutely have no idea. Um, I'm encouraged on the one hand, one hand because they are talking about reopening uh, both the country and uh, Governor McMaster are talking about reopening uh, South Carolina. And they have the phases that are laid out by the president, phase one, phase two, phase three. And all that is encouraging. And yet uh, today I was trying to find out where we were in South Carolina. What phase are we in here in South Carolina? And uh, the answer I received was, well, we hadn't even started in the phases yet. So on the one hand, there's encouragement. On the other hand, there's discouragement. But uh, I'm just looking forward to that day. I miss all of you, my church family and friends, so much. And I can't tell you how impersonal this camera in front of me really is. It doesn't nod, it doesn't wink, it doesn't respond to anything. Uh, in fact, I was telling Luke just a little bit earlier that I might get a wig and put on it just so I have something different to look at. But um, uh, it'd be a great day when we can come back together. Until then, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want you to pray, uh, earnestly pray. Uh, and not just for me, but pray for the staff, pray for the trustees, pray for our deacons, pray for those who uh, have been in leadership position in ministry and not knowing what we can do to continue to, to help in the, the spiritual growth uh, uh, that we have as followers of Christ. Um, we're going to need a lot of creativity, pray that we'll have vision, uh, pray that we'll be wise, be responsible. Uh, still, your physical health and safety is a priority. But I also recognize that as a pastor that our spiritual health is important too. And in-person fellowship and in-person worship and even in-person praying together is a key part of our spiritual health and our spiritual growth. So join me, stand in the gap. Uh, call out to the Lord our God to give us direction, to give us vision uh, as we move forward and continue to navigate through uh, this coronavirus season that we find ourselves in. Now, talking about prayer, I want us to pray before we get into the study of God's Word. Let me share a couple of praises with you. Uh, the first praise is that uh, Jane Porter is home. And that's much earlier than anticipated, but uh, we're delighted. As you know, Clyde is delighted. And uh, she will continue the rehab. She, they're going to do that at home. But we're just rejoicing that, that she is home with him. Uh, also, and you may have heard of this, uh, but Miss Gloria Pitts uh, failed the other day and had to be taken to the ER, St. Francis Eastside Hospital. Uh, the good news is no broken bones, no concussion. 
Uh, they did have to put seven stitches in, but she was able to go back and not have to stay there in the hospital. So we praise the Lord for that, but there's a petition there. We want to keep praying for her healing. Uh, don't forget Joyce Bagwell uh, that is uh, NHC and doing rehab, and her son Tony who's recovering from an injury that he had. And um, keep praying, of course, for Angie McDonald, and then uh, specifically and especially be praying for James Peterson. Right now, his open heart surgery is scheduled for Friday morning, and um, we just want to keep him up before the Lord's got some great surgeon doctors, nurses, technicians going to be working with him. Uh, but our faith is in the Lord our God, who is our healer. So uh, we want to be praying for those things, praying for our country and our leaders. So we, let's just do this right now. Where you are, uh, join your heart with my heart, your spirit with my spirit. Uh, even though we're not together physically, we can be together in the name of the Lord. And let's go to him in prayer and commit these things to him, and then we'll get into the study of God's Word. So let's pray together. Almighty God and Father, as we come to your throne of grace, we have a lot of things on our heart. We have people on our heart that uh, are dealing with crisis that <clears throat> dwarfs really the issues of the coronavirus. Uh, and we want to bring them before you. Specifically right now, we're thinking about our brother James, and of course, he represents a lot of others as well. But uh, Lord, facing very, very serious surgery, we're grateful um, for the hospitals we have. We're grateful for the doctors, the surgeons, all that, will, the whole team that's going to be working with him. And we have many in our fellowship that we're very grateful for that are part of these types of ministries. But right now, we just entrust James into your awesome healing hands and, and arms of grace and love and, Lord, just your healing power. And we're asking you to show yourself mighty on his behalf anointing these doctors, directing their every thought, uh, guiding through the power of your Holy Spirit every move of their hands, Lord. They're your twos. You are the one uh, that is performing this in his life. Pray you'll be with Susan, uh, Lord God, as she uh, has, to await, has to wait and, and Lord, um, uh, be uh, distanced from him because of the guidelines that we have now. But, uh, Lord, it looks like maybe you're opening up some doors. We want to thank you for that, that maybe she'll have some time with him before he goes into surgery. We're just trusting you for that and giving you praise uh, if that door opens up for her. But then, Lord, the others we mentioned we're greatly concerned about, uh, and, Lord, they just cover uh, just a few. You know, Lord God, and, and those who are part of our fellowship who are connected with us right now, they know as well that, that we have a list that's two pages long of uh, people that we love, we're concerned about. We bring them all right now. We lay them right there at your altar to entrust them into your care and to be touched by your compassion, your mercy, your healing hand, or Lord, uh, the grace, Lord God, they need to be able to deal with this and, uh, and the things they're dealing with in life. And not all of these, very few of these are coronavirus, but some are. And we just want to, uh, Lord God, just, just entrust them into your love and uh, Lord, your work in their lives. And Father, we are concerned about our country. 
Uh, Lord, uh, our leaders are having to make incredible decisions. Uh, decisions on whether someone's going to lose their house or not because they have lost their job. And, and how can they work it out for them to be able to get back to work? And then those who have the coronavirus and, and Lord, are struggling for their life. And then, uh, Lord, just the, every aspect of this has created... Uh, Lord, an uncertainty, an unprecedented uncertainty uh, about where we are, where we're headed. And so I just want to lift up our president, the whole team working with him, our governor, the whole team working with him, all the governors across the United States, and ask that you give them wisdom and direction. Lord, I lift myself up with the staff and with the trustees and the deacons and, and Lord, all who are in that position. And just ask, Lord, that you would direct us. We want to be wise and we want to be responsible, but we want vision, vision from you. Uh, this, Lord Jesus, is your body. This is your family. This is your church. And so we just lay it right before you to ask you to guide us in every decision, every step, looking to you for all the creativity so that we will be doing exactly what is your will to be done. So we just thank you for this. I thank you again for those who are joining us now. Maybe those who, I thank you for those who will join later. Uh, Lord, uh, and, and be watching this later because of maybe the schedule they're in. But right now, bless your word, Lord, as we get into it and study it, bless it, and uh, speak to each of us a personal word for our own lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last uh, Wednesday night, we began a study together on what is probably the most well-known passage of Scripture in God's Word. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. If you have your Bibles or maybe you're using an iPad or even your iPhone, uh, turn to that passage with me. If you're like me in my life, uh, I learned this, I, <coughs> excuse me, I memorized this, uh, this passage as a child. Uh, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've quoted it, how many times I've been in situations where someone has asked everybody to stand and, and say the Lord's Prayer, uh, how many times I've heard it at funerals or heard it even at, at weddings as well. And so uh, it's one of those passages we know so well, and, and yet because of that, um, we have a tendency not really to give it a deep study. And that's what the purpose of this study is, is go beyond the wonderful words on the surface uh, of uh, the Lord's Prayer, dig deeper, pull out the nuggets of truth that are attached to each of the things that Jesus is teaching his disciples. Now, we learned last week the disciples had asked Jesus to teach them uh, how to pray. Now, they knew how to pray, but what they were really asking, we want to know how to pray like you pray, because when you pray, we see things happening. And so Jesus, uh, in answer to their request, began to teach them. Now, we learned last week as well that he began with some preliminary instructions. And I want to briefly remind you of those instructions, uh, specifically in light of why we do not pray. Uh, we do not pray that we may inform God. I mean, God already knows everything. Uh, he literally knows everything about each and every one of us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. And as I shared in, in my morning devotion that we send out 
uh, each day that he even knows the number of hairs left in the sink after we were getting ready for today. I mean, he literally knows it all. So we, we do not pray to inform God. We do not pray to instruct God. Prayer is not a means for us to tell God what we want and how he needs to provide that for us. No, he and he alone has eternal, uh, perfect wisdom and knowledge of all things. Enough said. So we don't pray uh, to inform God. We don't pray to instruct God. We don't pray to impress God. Uh, language, the language of our prayers don't impress him. Um, the length of our prayers does not impress him. Uh, the logic in our prayers does not impress him. Because th these are not the reasons we pray. It's not to inform him, it's not to instruct him, it's not to impress him. The reason we pray, listen carefully, if you didn't get it last week or maybe you weren't even watching last week, we pray to invite God uh, as Lord into every aspect of our lives, of our being, of our situations, of our circumstances, of our, the decisions we have to make, the relationships in our lives. We pray to invite God as Lord into every aspect of our life. Well, after giving some preliminary instructions, we began then last week to start focusing in on this passage, the Lord's Prayer. And we began by noticing that Jesus first focused on the person of prayer. And I just want to review that just for a moment so I put everything into context. He began by saying, our Father, he said, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven. And what we learn here is that Jesus was teaching the disciples, now listen carefully to this, that he wants us to be in the position whereby we can approach him and address him as Father. Now, I want to remind you again this week that, that even though the Lord is the eternal God and creator of all, so whosoever will can call upon him, he is, the Lord is not the eternal God and Father of all. He is father of those who are part of his family. Those who are part of his family are those who have been born again. That is, those who have received his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their own personal Lord and Savior. You might recall John 1, 12, where Jesus uh, said that as many as received him, talking about himself, as many as received him was given the right to be a child of God to be part of his family, adopted into his family, and then God becomes our eternal God and Father. And not just Father, what we learn is that he is our Abba or Abba Father, whichever way you want to pronounce that. And that's the word that Paul uses in Romans. He uses again in his letter to the Christians in Galatia uh, where he uses an Aramaic term called Abba or Abba, and it in our English, is literally daddy. And so Jesus gives this incredible picture of a prayer being like a child crawling up into the lap of his or her father and putting their arms around the neck of his or her father and just, then just looking into the very eyes, the loving eyes and care and face of his or her father. What an incredible 
picture that is of spiritual intimacy with our eternal God and Father, as he says, who is in heaven. And that phrase in heaven is important because it's talking about the realm of, of the presence of God, that he's in this, he is in the spirit world around us, the spiritual world around us, the spiritual realm that is just as real as this physical realm we're in right now. And it, it teaches us this. And I, and I just love this thought, and I praise God that he, he ha allowed me to begin to understand, and that is I have all of God all of the time. There is no place I can be. There is no period of time that I do not have all of God all of the time, my heavenly Father. Well, that's the personal prayer. Tonight, as we continue our study, we're going to go a little bit further and uh, talk about, Jesus began talking about the praise of prayer. And, and let me just put this whole uh, verse together as we read it here in, in Matthew chapter 6 and, and verse 9. Jesus said, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm afraid that through the years, because maybe we memorized it or because it's so familiar, I don't know, that we kind of look at this phrase as something just tagged on to what he said. We ought to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we get focused in on thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And we miss the incredible importance of this particular phrase. So that's my goal tonight is to take this phrase, the praise of prayer, hallowed be thy name or hallowed uh, be your name and help you understand how incredibly important it is as part of your spiritual intimacy, your communion with the Lord in prayer. It involves three things. And you might want to write these down. First of all, it involves a spirit of recognition. A spirit of recognition. Let me explain what I'm talking about here. And in teaching the disciples, Jesus immediately draws a very unique contrast. He has just described approaching God and addressing God as Father in such an intimate way that it's like a child, this this crawled up into the lap of his or her father, as we were just describing, putting their arms around his neck and being there face to face, and this child is looking directly into the eyes and the face of his or her eternal God and father. And then he gives this contrast, hallowed be your name. What does he mean by that? Well, the word hallowed here, and you got to keep in mind, we're talking about a description of God. And that is, it applies to God in this case, obviously. The word hallowed means to be set apart, uh, exceedingly abundantly. Talking about the name of the Lord, the name of our Father in heaven. His, his name is to be uh, set apart exceedingly abundantly above everyone else and everything else in this universe. It means his name is to be exalted, to be compared to nothing else because it cannot be compared. God 
cannot be compared. And so here's what Jesus is teaching here. He says, as you crawl up into the lap of your Abba Father, and you put your arms around him, around his neck, and you're looking into his face like a child looks into the face of his or her father. Remember whose face you're looking into. Recognize he is still Almighty God. He is still the Lord God Most High. He is the holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. He is the sovereign God of all. Do you see the contrast that is there? From a child to recognizing who he is, the only true living God that you're having this, these very uh, intimate, spiritually intimate moments with. And so he, he's trying to teach us this, that before you, before you get into your list, <clears throat> you know, before you get into your asking and seeking and knocking and, and uh, presenting all your requests to him and just pouring your heart out like a child would to a father, he says, first of all, put all of that aside and just take time to give him the honor and the glory that he deserves, to recognize by your words, recognize by worship, recognize by, by words of praise, by bringing offerings of thanksgiving, recognize who he is, the Lord God most high. Recognize his goodness, recognize his grace, recognize his love. Take time before you bring any petitions just focus on him and give him the praise that he so rightly deserves. Now, Jesus says, hallowed be your name. And, and I need to emphasize what he means by name. He's not talking about simply that, that you know, uh, his name Jehovah or Yahweh, that you can identify his name. I, I can look at him and say, oh, well, here's James and here is Luke. And, and by their names, I can identify who they are. But in Scripture, particularly when he's talking about God, he's not just talking about that he's called Jehovah or Yahweh or El Shaddai or Adonai or many of the other names. It's not so much of identifying but revealing who he is. Let me give you an Old Testament example and then a New Testament example. So take your Bibles uh, and turn with me to Psalm. Psalm uh, 9, if you look at there with me, Psalm 9 and, and in verse 10, a Psalm of David. And David, of course, is talking about the Lord as David does so much in his Psalms. And he, he writes this in verse 10. He says, those, listen to this carefully. He says, and those who know your name, he said, will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Now, look at that phrase, those who know your name. It doesn't mean that they, they know, oh, well, we call him Jehovah or we, we call him Yahweh. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about those who know who you are. They 
are aware that you are the Lord God Most High. You are El Shaddai. You are Adonai. You are this great and awesome sovereign God, and you're faithful God because, as he goes on to say, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You see, the name here represents who that person is. We, we have another illustration that involves our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus over in Philippians. So if you'll turn there with me for just a moment. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2 and again in verse 10. Now I want to read verse 9 to, to set the context for uh, what uh, Paul writes in verse 10. So he says in verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. It's just not simply the name Jesus, but who Jesus is, King of kings and Lord of lords, ultimately having me given all authority in heaven and earth and so we're talking about the sovereign God in this coming a day because of who he is, that at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. This is the same concept Jesus is using here in our text when he's teaching disciples. Look, when you pray, pray in this manner, sir. Here's the person of God. He is your eternal God and Father, your Abba. Father, our Abba, Father. But here's the praise, immediately the praise of prayer. For you get into the asking and the seeking and the knocking and all of these things you're going to lay out before him from your heart. Then, But from your heart, first and foremost, praise him. Hallow, set apart, consecrate his holy name. Give him the praise he so rightly deserves. But you know, I want you to notice that with the spirit of recognition, obviously comes the spirit of reverence with that as well. I mean, you can't set apart his name. You cannot consecrate his name. You cannot uh, exalt his name above all because of who he is and not have a spirit of reverence even in the use of his name. I think it's very possible that one of the most grievous sins in the lives of believers today could be how carelessly and how flippantly we throw his name around. Well, we kind of use a masquerade. For example, like the word gosh. My gosh. And we don't we use it so frequently and without much thought and don't realize that whether you want to agree or accept this or not, that term gosh is attached to God. That's who we're talking about. Or even the name Jesus. I, I remember uh, while at the University of South Carolina, part of the football team there, and, and we had a group of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we noticed there was one guy that was part of our team, and we had, we had guys from all over the country there, and, you know, some from, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Boston, uh, Ohio, just different places, uh, Connecticut. And this one guy, Tony Penny, was from Boston. And he used the name Jesus all the time. But he used it in a slang way. 
you just use it to um, just explode out or just respond to something. So one day, sitting around with us, they were part of FCA, just in the lobby, and one of our guys asked him, says, uh, I noticed you used the name Jesus a lot. Do you know who he is? And I just remember Tony Penny just pausing and looking and says, well, not really. I've just, I've just heard that all my life. And so right there, we were able to explain to him who Jesus was and, and uh, what he had done for him on the cross and what he could do for him if he accepted him as Lord and Savior. And, and the seed was planted. Tony did not receive Christ during that original conversation, but later on, in the, as time moved on in the Holy Spirit work, he came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. He came to know who Jesus really was in his life. But you see, God takes this very seriously, and I hope you take it very seriously. Can I, I just want to remind you, if you take uh, your Bibles or, or um, uh, tune in to, uh, on your iPhone or iPad to uh, Exodus uh, chapter 20 and in verse 7. Uh, I want us to look at that together for just a moment. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. I, I, to let you know, let, let us all know, be reminded how serious this is to, to God. So it says in verse 7 in Exodus 10, this is when God has given the Ten Commandments. And he says this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, I recognize that most of the time we apply that to a very specific phrase in using the name of God that, that we would not as followers of Christ ever use or should ever use, obviously. But it means more than that. It means using his name carelessly and flippantly and instead of reverently. And so it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. And so God's making it very clear that this is very serious. And so when Jesus was teaching these disciples how to pray, and he said, pray in this manner, and he said, pray our Father uh, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're talking about a spirit of recognition. We're talking about, obviously, a spirit of reverence. But I want to close this study by talking about another aspect of this that, that maybe we haven't recognized or understood previously, and that is the spirit of realization. This is a very interesting phrase. It is written as an aorist imperative. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's really written as a request. He says, you need to pray and you need to ask God to do something. As you crawl into his lap, as you put your arm around him and, and you look into his face and you give him the praise and the glory and, and the honor he surrounds of, you lay your, your offerings of, of thanksgiving for him. But in this is literally a request if we too were to just literally interpret it or translate it, it would be this. Hallow your name. Jesus said, pray, request of God to hallow his name, to glorify his name. I find that fascinating. And yet, I find that Jesus actually exemplified that in his own 
prayer life. If you take your Bibles again, and I know we're looking at a lot of different verses, but if you look with me in John chapter 12 and, and uh, look with me in verse 28, Jesus uh, has uh, entered into Jerusalem. We're moving towards the latter days of his life, moving towards the cross, and he's doing a lot of teaching, but he's aware of the moments, he's aware of the days and what is coming. And he, and he prayed this, he looked up to the Father. Look at this in verse 28. And he said, Father, listen to this, glorify your name, hallow your name, exalt your name. And then the scripture says, then a voice came out of heaven, and this is the Father speaking back to him, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again, will hallow my name. Now, I want you to just close your Bibles for a moment as we close this study and, and just, just listen carefully to what I'm about to share with you. Probably the most important and most life-changing request you can make of the Lord when you crawl into his lap and you put your arm around his neck and you look into his face, the first request should be this. Lord, Father, Abba, Father, hallow your name in my life. Glorify your name in my life. Hallow your name in my heart. Hallow your name in my mind. Hallow your name in my soul that my life would glorify you. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and in verse 31, Paul instructs, the, of course, the Christians in Corinth, but it's for all of us that what, whatever we, whenever we eat, Whatever we do, whatever we say, we are to glorify God. Well, what we need for that to happen is for God to be doing that work in us. And take this request that is right here in the Lord's Prayer, hallow your name, and pray it for ourselves. Pray, listen, most important prayer you can pray in your marriage Abba, Father, hallow your name in our marriage, through our marriage. Hallow your name in and through our family. Hallow your name in our church. Hallow your name in and through our country. You see, this is what's going to make the difference. It's when he is exalted and when he is working in response to our request to hallow, exalt his name, who he is in and through our lives, our marriages, our communities, our churches. So I challenge you to make this the first request every time you come before the Lord. Oh, I recognize in life there's situations like Peter where uh, when he was sinking in the water, he really didn't have time to go through all that. It's just, Lord, save me. I understand that. But you know what I'm talking about. Those times that we have the time to crawl into his lap, put our arm around him, his neck, and 
take our face as a child and look into his sovereign face, our Abba Father. And the first request should always be, Father, so work in my heart, so work in my soul, my life, that you may hallow your name in and through me. It's life-changing. I hope you will embrace it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And so, Father, this is where we begin tonight. Even as we close this study, Lord, we want to recognize who you are, Lord God Almighty, the holy, holy Lord of hosts, Adonai, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the great I am, so many of those incredible names that just reminds us of how awesome you are. It's why we reach out to you. It's why we have this relationship with you. It's why we love you, because you loved us first. But Lord, even right now, to those who are listening, and, and Lord, they've joined their heart with me at this moment. On behalf of all of them and myself, this is our prayer tonight. Hallow your name in and through our lives. Whatever you need to do, do that work in us that you will be glorified and you will be exalted. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're teaching us. Be with my church family. Be with my friends. Lord, direct our paths so that one day we can be back together truly in person to worship, fellowship, study a word. And we ask for this, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. God bless you.